The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. So I'm, I'm a dude, obviously, hopefully you figured that out so far, and, uh, I, but it's not really cool uh, for dudes uh, to like, get all into Christmas uh, this this week, but but I am um, I am unashamedly a Christmas dude. Like uh, in my office, uh, Kramer stopped in this week, and, and Burton uh, both on on Friday, and I was playing Christmas music, and we have a little Christmas tree, like a tacky little Christmas tree over because every office Christmas tree is tacky, right? I don't know, maybe it's just my office. Other ones I see, like it's like the leftover Christmas tree, like somebody's getting rid of it, they're going to throw it out, but they put it in the office instead. And so we have a little Christmas tree decorated in the corner, and I had some Christmas music playing, and Kramer walked in, and he's like. What's going on here? Like, where's the chick that's playing the Christmas music in here? And I'm like, no, this is all about me. Like, I'm a dude, but I am unashamedly, I love Christmas. Like, I have a thing, um, I have a lot of things, Megan would tell you. That's true, but one of my things is I can't stand an unlit Christmas tree. There's just something that's kind of depressing and sad about that to me. Like, if I walk by a Christmas tree that's not lit, even if it's not mine, like, I'll plug it in and light it. I don't even care. I, I, just can't, I can't stand it. I'll like come home and Megan will be sitting over there and the Christmas tree will be off. I'm like, no, it's got to be on. We got to cut the Christmas tree on, got to cut all the lights on. And I think it's because when I think about Christmas, um, maybe it's because we didn't have much money. And so we always had gifts and a lot of gifts, but it probably wasn't like maybe the haul that you got at your home. Our, our Christmas was very simple. But what I remember about Christmas growing up in the, in the country, uh, not too far from here, was uh, I remember like a nondescript evening in December where like the Christmas tree is on and candles are glowing and Christmas music is playing. And this will tell you how old I was, I am. Uh, we had records. Kids, there were these things called records. It's mine, like it's all cool and hip now to have records, but we had that, like it wasn't because it was hip because it's actually what we had to listen to. And we had, anybody remember this thing where you had like the, you had the records and you had like the tall needle and you would stick like five records on the top and I had a little thing that would drop one record at a time. And so we had packed like the five, like the, remember like the Time Life Christmas albums where you'd get like a mix of different Christmas songs and Perry Como and Dean Martin and all those guys and it's Boston Pops and things that you would never listen to other times of the year and you stick it in there and it would pop it one night. I remember that, hear the sound of the, of the record, I can hear it now, of the record dropping and the, the needle moving over and hitting the vinyl. Kids, just play along with me for a second. And, and, and hearing the, the music stop and then start and then it gets to the end and that, that tick sound at the end, and then you'd hear the needle pick back up and another one drop, and I just remember that, and like mom baking in the kitchen, like that's what I remember of Christmas, and that kind of warm, kind of cozy family holiday feeling, and that's, I, I love that, and I think that we all, there's something, some sort of memory that you and I have about Christmas that's sort of a hook for us. And for you, it might be Christmas morning and the gifts, or it might be the baking. It might be a picture of, of mom having everything just right and the decorations, since that's what you do. There's something that we all kind of go after, and, and that we go after it so hard. Isn't it a weird time of year? We go after Christmas so hard to have the perfect Christmas, for it to be just right, for the tree to be just right. Okay, so... 
again, has some issues. Before we had kids, because things change when you have kids, is you're getting ready to figure it out. But before I had kids, uh, I was a little bit more OCD than I am now. I'm somewhat OCD now. I was a lot OCD back then. And we would buy a Christmas tree, and I would take the lights, and it was a real Christmas tree, because that's the only way we got a roll in our house. This is a whole other big tradition, but we have a real Christmas tree, and I would individually get in the Christmas tree and wrap each limb of the tree with lights, every single limb. Dude, that tree could light your house. It could warm your house at night like a fire around that tree. You, would, like, you, you plug it in, it dazzles you like the outside of the National Lampoon's Christmas house, right? Whenever, when he find, Chevy finally gets the thing going, like it would just... It would just glow and go crazy. Um, I don't remember why I was going with that, but I just want to tell you about my Christmas tree and how anal I am about it. And that's where I was going. So that had to be, it had to be perfect. So the ornaments, all, we all had to be perfectly proportioned around the tree. And so we would decorate, take our hours and hours. I sound like a girl. Um, I would step back and look at it, and then I would like sort of as the season would go on, I would keep redecorating, like moving things around because the red bulb wasn't perfectly spaced around here, and the the lights weren't just right, and, and we chase hard after this like, this perfect because we work hard for it. Anybody in here like you're stressed? You don't have to raise your hand. At this moment, you're stressed because the purchasing of gifts is not done and or the wrapping of gifts is not done, the decorating of your house is not done, there's Christmas boxes that you brought down from the attic still in the living room, sitting around. There's pressure around you. you got family coming in, and you got to go up and see family, or family sitting here in the room, and they've been stressing you out because you had to get everything right when they came in. I'm not. Anybody feel that pressure to have the perfect Christmas? Why do we do that? Why do we feel such a push and a pressure at this time of year to have the perfect Christmas? Anybody ever feel, and maybe this is just me, anybody ever feel, you don't have to raise your hand, anybody ever feel that maybe like everybody around you is having a better Christmas than you're having? You ever have like those moments at Christmas like interspersed with the, what's supposed to be fun and joyous, the sort of underlying layer of like sadness and depression? It's not quite what I wanted it to be. It's not quite panning out like I hoped it would pan out. I had plans this year. We were going to get the lights up earlier. I swore I was going to get the wrapping done earlier, and so we wouldn't be going at each other. We're arguing. Megan and I had our, <laughs> a lot of pressure at Christmas, and different, like if you're in a family, there's different ideas of how Christmas is supposed to go. There are rarely two people married that have the same sort of philosophy of gifts and decorations and money and family, how much time we should spend with family and not spend with family, and everything kind of mixed all together. Megan and I had our probably our biggest fight, maybe ever, last year, Christmas Eve, at about 11 o'clock at night. Whenever I realized how many gifts were not wrapped, I got ill. It's very difficult to have a knockdown, drag-out argument while the kids are asleep and you're trying not to wake them up. It was the worst whisper argument you have ever seen in your entire life. I tell you, this is ridiculous. There was the, the phrase was uttered, uh, you have ruined Christmas at one point and repeated over this Christmas season. There's a lot of pressure at Christmas. Why? 
Why do we get so crazy about it? Why do we feel this pressure if you look on Instagram and Facebook and it looks around you like everybody around you is having a better Christmas because they have the picture of their house and the everything's just right and all the presents are wrapped and some lady who's a perfectionist somewhere has dinner already prepared and everything's taken care of and her kids have fresh new pajamas on Christmas Eve and you're looking around your house and you're like, I am a total failure. Anybody ever feel that? Maybe everybody around me is having a better Christmas than I am. I have moments at work at this time of year when like it's getting down to the wire and it's sort of the end of day and everybody starts to disperse and I'm kind of in the office alone just wondering like, I wonder if everybody's got this thing figured out and I don't have it figured out. I wonder if everybody else has like, they matter more to the people around them than I matter to the people around me. I think Christmas brings out the crazy in us because really, it's the season of the year where the, whether you have meaning in life is highlighted. We desperately are searching for meaning. And it comes to a head at Christmas like the tip of an iceberg. There are other times of year we might be able to ignore it. We might be able to have smooth sailing around. But have you noticed, like, you might be a single dude and, like, you have no cares in the world and, like, all your married buddies around you that have kids and have jobs and have responsibilities, like, you're, they're jealous of you the rest of the year except Christmas. And then Christmas, you're the one left feeling like you're an outsider. I think a lot of us feel like we're outsiders at Christmas looking in, like the kid peering into the, the cool kid camp inside because we're desperately searching for meaning. We're desperately flailing our arms around, searching for some sort of meaning, searching for some sense of belonging. I want to know that I'm around people who love me and care for me, and I have meaning in life, that I matter, that if I'm not there, that they care desperately searching for that. That's why there's so much pressure. That's why Christmas tends to expose the dark corners of our fears and our motivations. And it all comes to head like the tip of an iceberg. It would think like, oh, Christmas is the problem. The problem is because it's so busy. There's so much pressure. But Christmas just kind of brings it all to the surface. That iceberg that's sitting underneath the rest of the year, it brings it to a tip at Christmas. What if I don't really matter to anyone? Maybe the, 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 the doubt at the bottom of us wondering, why can't I create a perfect Christmas for my kids or my family or myself or for the people around me? What if that's because I'm just not good enough? We have a desire that's stirring inside our souls. a desire for meaning, a desire to belong, to know that I have a part of a family, of a people who care for me and I'm bringing something to the table for them and that we love and care for each other. I have a sense of belonging and safety there. And yet even in all the warmth of Christmas and all the family and all the turkey and the ham and the gifts exchanged, 
it's just not quite enough. It leaves you that hollow feeling. That trinket that you got is cool for a couple of days, and it's not filling that hole anymore. You may have nailed Christmas and all the presents were wrapped and the food was made and the kids are in their fresh pajamas, and yet the moment all the presents are opened and everybody's kind of moving on, you're left wondering, is that it? I worked for four weeks for this and it's passed. Maybe the message of Christmas, maybe the point of Christmas, isn't about what you make of it. But maybe the joy of Christmas is what God has made of you through Jesus. Our text this Advent season, Advent means, that's Latin for it means coming. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that, so that, so that what? Think about it. In the fullness of time, what does that mean? That means that God was orchestrating something from before time began. He had a plan. And it wasn't happenstance that Jesus was born at the time he was. Kramer did a good job talking about that. But at just the right moment, at just the right time, something happened. When the fullness of time had come, God's plan came to fruition. Something he had been working for eons and eons and generations upon generations. Whenever he created the heavens and the earth and Adam and Eve in the garden and they sinned and they fell to the wayside, he didn't go, oh, junk, I got to go to plan B. What am I going to do now? I have to come up with another plan. He was working a plan all the way along. And when the fullness of time had come, that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the fullness of time at just the right time. Something happened. God sent his son Think about that. Dale talked about it, but think about it this morning. God sent his son. Today, at the right hand of the Father, Jesus Christ is sitting there. And, and you know what he looks like? He looks like a human. The second person of Godhead, God the Son, Jesus Christ today, is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he is a glorified human being, 100% God and 100% man. The Trinity was altered at the fullness of time, at Christmas. Why is it a big deal? Why is Christmas a big deal? Why do we celebrate it? Because God split time in half. He came as a human being. Today, the Trinity is different because of Christmas. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Jonathan talked about that last week. He came to redeem us. He came with a mission. 
You guys ever seen, I probably shouldn't admit that I've seen this before you guys, but you guys ever seen Talladega Nights? And the, the famous scene, the hilarious scene where uh, they're sitting around the table and it's time to pray. And Ricky Bobby gets to play, pray to the baby Jesus, right? The five pound, six ounce or whatever is baby Jesus sitting in the manger, the golden light all around. Like that's what he loves to worship. Like that's what he likes to pray to. It's kind of a cute story, isn't it? Like a picture of a woman and a man on a donkey and like a barn and a baby until you like actually have had a baby and you realize how terrible that must have been to be in a barn doing that in hay and a manger and the whole deal. But that baby is not the reason that we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas for the reason that the baby came. He came to redeem you. He came with a mission. That means that you and I were lost and stuck in our darkness, and he came to rescue us out of it. So that. Here's why he did all of that. Throughout all of eons of time where he was orchestrating the history of human of humankind and bring it all to this point, why would he alter the state of the Trinity, come down in the form of 100% God, 100% man? Why would he go through all that he went through in order for this baby to come, to send his son to, so that he would grow up and die and sort of redeem us? Why did he do that? What was the end goal of all that? The end goal was so that, so that we might receive adoption as sons. That wording there, adoptions as sons, it's one word in the Greek. And that one word means to receive the benefits of being a son. Uh, the, the picture that would happen, the way adoption worked in the ancient world at this time was uh, oftentimes it would be somebody who was old and wealthy and had not been able to produce an heir. And so he's, he's old and wealthy. He doesn't have a male to, in order to pass down his wealth to. And so he would adopt a son. And oftentimes it would be a full-grown or almost full-grown son. And when he would bring him into his household and he would confer upon him, maybe no prior history, no prior relationship, bring in a son and he would adopt him as son. And he would confer upon this son all the authority, all the rights of being his own son. He became his heir. One moment, the kid was an orphan, destitute. The next moment, he was the son and heir of someone rich and powerful. The reason that Jesus came is so that you might be adopted as a child of God to confer upon you all the honor and all the pleasures that you can imagine would be conferred with being a child of the Most High. The story of Christmas is that you were wanted not because of bloodline or your value as a person, but because the Father sent the Son to make you a child. That sneaky suspicion that you and I have underneath the surface, if you and I are honest with ourselves for a moment, 
that comes to the surface at Christmas, like maybe I'm just not good enough, maybe I'm not loved enough, maybe I can't cut it out, maybe I can't cut it, maybe I'm not like as good a person as I thought I was, maybe I'm, am I alone, I'm depressed, I'm, I'm by myself, maybe people don't, I don't really matter to the people around me, those sneaky suspicions that you and I have. He came not because you're worth something, in and of yourself, not because you're awesome, not because you can nail everything that you put your hand to. He came and made you his child because he chose you. We have two kids, Sophia and Landon. Sophia is seven and Landon is four, precocious four-year-old kid. Sophia, we She's ours by bloodline, and we worked hard for her. It took us a long time to get pregnant with her, and we had a couple of miscarriages along the way, before and after, and eight years into our marriage, we have Sophia, and we loved her. She was precious to us. Landon didn't come from our blood. We chose Landon. We went after him. It took work and it took effort. We had to apply. We had to have blood. We had to have blood work. We had to have background checks done on us. We had to have referrals. We had to go through classes. It took us a long time. When we finally got qualified, then we had to wait and wait and wait. And we didn't know who we're waiting for. We're just going to adopt a son. Didn't know who it was going to be. We were waiting. Waiting, waiting, one day we finally get the call. There's somebody. Before Landon even visited our house, we had never seen him. We had never talked to him. We never touched him. And yet we took him like, this is going to be our son. And he came into our house and we adopted him as our son. We worked for him. We chose him. It's hard work before and it's hard work after, but we went after him, and that's what the Father has done for you at Christmas. He went after you. In an elaborate plan, he went after you. In a rescue plan to you and your darkness, to you and your loneliness, to you and your depression, to you and your brokenness, to you and your I'm not sure if I'm good enough, to you and your inferiority complex, and you and your all the bad things that you have done, and you and your, and your sin, and you and your muck, and your mire, you with all your issues, you and the issues that only you know about, that you and the issues that your spouse or your girlfriend or your family knows about, but nobody else knows about, and you and your darkest corners of your soul, and you and those quiet moments when you're by yourself, and you're the person that nobody else around you knows who you are. He went after you in all of that to save you, to rescue you. In the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, to redeem you, and not just to redeem you and pull you up out of the, your sin and your brokenness, but then to, in all craziness, to, to make you his child. He sent his son to make you his child. The father sent his son to make you 
his child to adopt you. One moment you were an orphan. Aren't we all orphans somehow? Isn't that the sneaky fear that's speaking to us at the, the corners of a blue Christmas? In those moments where we're not sure, it's really this kind of wondering, like an orphan, do I really belong? Do I really matter? Am I really loved? He came for you there. The great joy of Christmas is not what we make of it. The joy of Christmas is in what God has made of us through Jesus. What does it mean to be adopted into God's family? Well, first of all, your adoption into God's family was planned for eternity past. Look at Romans, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It's the next book to your right if you're having an actual physical Bible, and then this in your app, it's just magically there. Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5. Look at this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption. Before the foundation of the world, verse 4, he predestined us for adoption as sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. You know what that means if it was done before the foundation of the world? It means it's not dependent upon anything that you do. Anything that you've done, bad or good, it didn't, it didn't play into it. He chose you before all that. He could see ahead all of everything that you would do. He's outside of time. It didn't surprise him. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Your good choices, your bad choices, he chose you above all of those. You don't get any credit. Landon doesn't get any credit for being our son. We went after him and we chose him and we adopted him just the way the father went after you and chose you and adopted you with all your baggage and all your mess. He went after you and he chose you. That also means you and I don't get to take any credit for it either. It wasn't that if you were a believer in Christ today, it wasn't that one day you had a, a, bright, a bright idea and you saw things clearly and suddenly you became a believer. Like It says that he went after you and he secured your salvation before the foundation of the world because the Father sent his Son to make you his child. Your adoption to God's family is not only planned for eternity past, but your adoption to God's family is secure for eternity future. Look at Romans verse 8. I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 22. Romans 8, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation, yes. And we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who had the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. If the Father has adopted you, if he has sent his son for you, if he has rescued you from your muck and your mire, if he has rescued you from your orphan state to be your father, to bring you into his family, then, you're, then you are secure in his family for eternity future. 
And you can be confident that that redemption, the bodies that he's talking about, that is the making all things right again. In this broken world that we live in, making it right again. Do you know why you and I get so frustrated at Christmas and we can't create the perfect Christmas? It's because there's no perfection this side of eternity. We are constantly trying to create our own heaven. Whatever it is that you worship, that's what your heaven is and you'll try to create it all the time. And if, you're, if, you're, if your heaven, if your God is like your perfection, that you're the mom that has everything just right and your kids look perfect and the house looks perfect and everything's wrapped, then that will be your God and you will worship it. And when that's working, that will be your heaven. When it falls apart, it'll be your hell. You and I are always trying to create a heaven here, but there is no heaven to be found here because the redemption of our bodies is coming in the future. But... If you and I are a believer in Christ today, we celebrate at Christmas that that future is coming. He came one time, and he will come again. He came in the first advent at the Christmas, and he will come again and make all things new and all things right. And so we can joy in our imperfections. We can joy in our brokenness. We can joy in the fact that we can't get it all together and we cannot find perfection here. We can joy in the midst of suffering and pain. There are people that are hurting in this room at this Christmas. You're hurting, you're depressed, you're physically in pain. Things aren't the way you want it to be. In the midst of the suffering, you can be confident that one day he's coming again to make all things right. But not only is your adoption to God's family, was it planned for eternity past and is it secure for eternity future? But because the Father sent the Son to make you a child, your adoption at God's family is to be enjoyed now. Look at the next two verses in Galatians. Galatians 4. Verses six and seven. And because, listen to that, because you are God's sons, God has sent the spirit of his son, that's Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, Holy Spirit of his son into our hearts, into your heart. You are not alone. Not only did he come one time and is he coming again, but today, right now, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not alone. What's the, the word that we hear banded around sometimes in some of the old carols, Emmanuel? It means God with us. And not just that he came to us, but that he is with us. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning, God has sent forth his spirit into your heart. And that word, Crying, it means, it's, it's more the wording like crying out, like a son would, or a daughter would cry out. And this wording, you've probably heard it taught about before, that it's a weird word, it, it's used nowhere else in scripture. Paul pulls it out of his past. He says, it, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. That word Abba is, is, a, is a baby talk. It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's not just daddy, it's like dada. It's a very, it's a very 
infantile, intimate cry. That God has sent forth his spirit into your heart, crying out to him, Abba, Father, Daddy, Dada, my Father, in a very personal and real way, not like in a Christmas hymn kind of way, not just like a church way, but in a very real way, God is present here with you, in you, among us. He has not left you alone. He is Emmanuel, God in you, God with you, God among us. This Christmas season, we celebrate not a, just a baby that came, but we celebrate the Spirit of God that has come and is dwelling in your hearts and my hearts in such a way that we would know like he is my father, he is my daddy. I have an intimate, personal connection and relationship to him that cannot be severed, that cannot be broken, no matter how broken I am, no matter how messed up I am, no matter how messed up my family is and I burned the turkey and I don't have enough money to buy the gifts or I bought the gifts and I'm in debt and they're not wrapped and the kids are crying and I've fought with my husband or my wife all season long and I'm I'm lonely, my parents don't like me, my kids don't like me. I don't know if I I have what it takes to get it all together to make it. He sent his spirit of his son into your heart crying, Abba, Father, and knowing, I pray that you would know that this Christmas, that you are not alone, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, God in you. The Father didn't just adopt you and leave you, but he is here with you in a very real way. I pray you would experience that this Christmas because the Father sent the Son to make you a child. Are you lonely this Christmas? Are you frustrated? Are you disappointed? Are you depressed? Think of who He came through. Mary and Joseph, a teenage girl who was probably just a few minutes before listening to Taylor Swift, didn't have it together. There was no halo around her. Poor, a nobody. And Joseph, he's a carpenter. Think of who he announced his coming to. A bunch of dirty shepherds in a field. And like not just like dirty shepherds that are hanging around animals, but like shepherds, they were considered the scum of the earth. They they're this is how this is how low they were viewed. Their testimony was not admissible in court. If you were a shepherd, you could not hold public office. They were considered the scumbags. They were all robbers. They were all stealers. They were all dishonest. And the idea of all society. And yet that's who he announced his coming to. That's who he wasted the angel choir on. They couldn't appreciate it. They never heard good music. 
I know that because I'm imagining shepherds listen to country music, so I know they had heard no good music before. And yet the angel choir appears to them to announce his coming. Think of who he came for. He came for the weak, and he came for the poor. He came for the fatherless and for the motherless. He came for the broken and the lonely. He came for the outsider, the outcast. He came for the second class and the third class and the fourth class. He came for the not fast enough, the not smart enough. He came for the hopeless and the betrayed. He came for the depressed and he came for the angry. He came for the alien and for the immigrant, for the forgotten. He came for the guilty and he came for the oppressed. He came for the hungry, for the thirsty, for the sick, for the lame, the helpless. He came for all of us who are orphaned, adrift, flailing about in the darkness and the madness, reaching, searching, grabbing, frantically seeking meaning, frantically seeking identity. He came for us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And this morning, if you're a believer, though you may be all of those things, you're his child. With all the benefits of an heir, and his presence with you and among you this morning. Have you experienced the purpose of Christmas? The adoption as a child of God? If you haven't, I pray this is the morning that you would accept and repent and believe Are you toiling and laboring to create at Christmas what God has already created? Are you searching to create a Shangri-La, a Xanadu perfection that God has already created? And if you're a believer, you get to be a foretaster of that. You are adopted. You are loved. You belong. He is with you. He is really with you. So maybe the remaining four days we have before Christmas, maybe we would frantically search just a little bit less and bask in what has already been done a little bit more. That's where we find meaning. That you have been adopted as a child of God. Jamin's going to come up. He's going to play. I'm going to pray for us. And then whenever he's done playing this next song, we're going to offer communion. Dave and I are going to serve it for you. You come up, grab the bread, dip it in the cup, and partake and enjoy this morning what Christ has done for us. Father, I thank you.
that you have not left us alone. That we are orphans no longer. But God, we forget. Help us to remember this morning. Help us to remember this Christmas. Help us to, instead of trying to create something this Christmas, let us enjoy what you have created, what you have done. Let's enjoy your perfection and the joy of being an adopted child of the Most High God. I pray you would help us to experience that and to know that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.